Hello, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ, welcoming and thanking you for joining us as we learn how to serve and honor and respond to God. The greatest event of all time was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sadly, there are numerous people today that respond to the resurrection by participating in an annual observance of a combination of pagan, secular, and Christian rites and rituals. That's not how we are to respond to the resurrection. Would you open your Bible with me and learn how we are to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day within our lives? Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice what it says. He says he was the son of David according to the flesh, but was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus was resurrected up on that Sunday morning nearly 2,000 years ago, it was a proclamation. It was not just a historical event, but it was a proclamation to the entire world that what happened on the Friday night of that Passover week was not just an ordinary execution. This was no common criminal who went into the ground. This was no common man. This was God the Son who died, who according to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, gave Himself up for us. I'm not sure we can fathom exactly how amazing that is, but Romans chapter 5 beginning at verse 6 talks to us a little bit about it. In Romans chapter 5 beginning at verse 6, he says that while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. When Jesus did this, when He died on the cross, this was no ordinary man, this was God in the flesh who died for ordinary men and women. This was not a common criminal. This was God in the flesh who died for common criminals. And when He was resurrected, He was declared by the power of God to be God's Son. Now, what should we do about that? How should we respond to that resurrection? Sadly, in our modern world, the number one main response is one that the Bible never ever talks about. Once a year, our nation and our world have set aside a day in which they will remember and honor Jesus for His resurrection. And there will be all kinds of celebration and there will be plays and there will be skits and there will be fun things that are done. And even, yes, some worship perhaps involved in all of that as well, somewhere. But that is not what Jesus talked about when He said that we should respond to His resurrection. That's not what we find in the Bible about how we as modern day Christians are supposed to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sadly, for some of us, the response to the resurrection is merely that weekly observance of the Lord's Supper. We come in and we participate in the emblems that we took just moments ago and then we go on our merry way believing that we have responded appropriately to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in fact, when we get into our discussions with folks about Easter, that's what we'll say, oh, that's how we're supposed to respond to the resurrection. We observe once a week the Lord's Supper. 
And while that is a biblical part of our response to the resurrection, that is not what the Bible demonstrates about how we are to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There in Romans chapter 6, if we were to continue our reading, I believe we find what the Bible says about how you and I today, nearly 2,000 years later, are supposed to respond to this amazing event of Jesus, God in the flesh, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, coming out of that tomb, leaving it empty and demonstrating Himself to be the Son of God. What must we do when we believe that message? How will we respond to it? We're going to be looking in Romans chapter 6. And we're going to notice three things that Paul said in Romans chapter 6 about how we are supposed to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God, we are in awe of You. We are amazed at Your love. We are amazed at Your mercy. We are amazed at Your plan. We are so thankful that You sent Your Son to die for us that He came into this world to be one of us, that He lived among us, that He endured what we endure, that He knows what we face, and then He died because we rejected Him. But Father, we're thankful that You didn't reject us when because of our sins He died, but rather through that death drew us closer to You. And we're thankful for the reconciliation that You have offered through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that today we will honor and glorify You and that we will respond to Jesus' resurrection properly, that we will not be limited to mere rituals, that we will not think that we have punched our clock of worship and honor simply by going through some actions, but realize exactly what You expect us to do in honoring and glorifying and serving You today in our lives. Father, we praise Your name, and we ask that You strengthen us, that You would help us to overcome the tempter. We realize that we can do all things through You, through Your Son, who strengthens us. We love You, Father. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, Paul talks about the very first thing that we must do in order to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. We need to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ by being crucified with Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. In Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, Paul wrote, "...when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions." Verse 14 says, "...having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." Now, a lot of times when folks today talk about being crucified with Jesus, they think about what is presented in this verse. Our sins taken from us and nailed on the cross with Jesus. That certificate of debt that was against us. That writing that said, here's what you've done. Here's what Edwin has done. Henry asked us a moment ago to think about these sins we've committed in our past. And that is, uh, it is a terrible thing to think about. It is embarrassing. We would be embarrassed to share those things with a lot of people. But oftentimes when we think about being crucified with Jesus, we think about that. The record of that being taken and nailed to the cross with Jesus. And that certainly is an awesome thing, but that is not us being crucified with Jesus. That is not our response to the resurrection. That was, in fact, Jesus' response to our need. He died so that our sins could be nailed on the cross with Him, washed away, taken away from us, so that we might be presented blameless to God. But that is not us being crucified with Jesus. We must be crucified with Jesus. Look in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 
in verse 20. One of the songs that we sing with our young people and our Bible girl comes specifically from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Being crucified with Jesus is not a reference to our sins being taken away. It's a reference to us dying with Christ. It's a reference to us casting our lives aside. It's a reference to us putting our will aside and holding on to Christ and doing just what He wants. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For you have been bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body. Being crucified with Christ means realizing that our bodies are no longer our own. Our minds are no longer our own. We have gone up on that cross with Jesus and we have died with Him. We have put ourselves to death. It's no longer about us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Be a living sacrifice. That while we are living, yet we have put ourselves to death. It's no longer about pursuing our will. It's no longer about pursuing our careers. It's no longer about furthering our claims and our stakes in this life. It's about pursuing the kingdom of God and about doing what Jesus wants and pursuing Him and His righteousness. And that comes above all, being crucified with Christ. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. In Luke chapter 9, Verses 23 and 24, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and 24, He was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake, he is the one who will save it. As we continue to pursue our own life and try to build up our own life, and that is what consumes us, we are going to lose our soul's life and our eternal life. But those who are willing to give up this life, those who are willing to give up the things of this life, who are willing to pursue the things of God's life, they are the ones who will gain life. We must be crucified with Jesus. That is our response to the resurrection. It's not just coming to church sometimes. It's not just going through some action sometimes and punching our worship or our assembly clock. It is about being crucified with Jesus and putting our lives aside so that we might pursue the life which comes from Christ. When we go back to Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, he says in verse 6 that we are to be crucified with Him. In verse 11, he says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Our response to the resurrection is to consider ourselves and our members as dead to sin. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, talked about this very same concept. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 3, Peter wrote to these Christians, he said to them in 1 Peter 4 and verse 3, "...the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles." having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What did Peter say? Peter said, we've already sinned enough. We've come into Christ. Jesus Christ did not die. He was not buried and He was not resurrected so that we might just come to church sometimes, participate in the Lord's Supper, sing a few songs, hear a lesson, but then live however we want throughout the week. 
Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we might be delivered from them. And we must view ourselves as dead to sin. We've spent enough time sinning. It's time to stop, Peter says. It's time to allow Christ to scrub us clean and wash those sins away from us, to overcome the tempter and put sin to death in our lives. Paul talked about this again in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, this time beginning in verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul wrote this in Colossians 3.1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also walked once you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from the mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. We're supposed to lay that old self aside as we have been crucified with Jesus. We're to put sin to death and, and consider our bodies as dead to sin. We're no longer tied to sin. Sin is no longer master over us. And and we're not allow it to rule in our lives. We're to put those things aside. No longer involved in immorality, impurity, sensuality, passions, lust, and greed, which is idolatry. Putting aside lying, outbursts of anger and wrath. We are supposed to be dead to sin. That is our response. Jesus didn't die so we could just keep on sinning. Jesus died so that we could die to sin. We go back to Romans and he doesn't stop there. In Romans, chapter, 12, chapter 6 and verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 16, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness? We are to be crucified with Jesus. We are to be dead to sin. We are to be enslaved to righteousness and obedience, presenting our members who once we presented to sin, who once we presented to sin to be master over us, now we present to God to be master over us, obeying the form of teaching which He has given us, putting those sins aside and following in the course of righteousness. That's what Paul points out. That's our response. Coming here on the day of the Lord to participate in, in stimulating one another to love and good deeds, to participate in worshiping God as a congregation, partaking in the Lord's Supper, studying the Word of God, singing and praying and contributing of our means, that's going to be a part of being enslaved to righteousness. But if that's the only thing we're doing, if we think that is our response and we're okay because we've done that, then we're not crucifying ourselves with Jesus. We're not putting ourselves to death regarding sin and we're not being enslaved to righteousness. This encompasses so much more. If we go back to Colossians and keep reading where we stop. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse eight, it said, excuse me, in verse nine, it said, "Don't lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self 
with its evil practices. In Colossians 3 and verse 10, he continues on, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, Bear with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our response to the resurrection. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. You remember the fad a few years ago? What would Jesus do? That's the way we need to live our entire lives. Putting off the old. Putting on the new. Putting on compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, forgiveness, love. Resting in the peace that comes with Christ. Allowing the Word of Christ to dwell richly within our hearts. And brethren, let me remind you, there's only one way to allow the Word of Christ to dwell richly within our hearts. We've got to be reading the Word of Christ for it to get into our hearts. We've got to be studying it. That is our response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22, Actually, let's back up to verse 20. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 20, Paul said, You did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he'll have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Excuse me, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus also has forgiven you. We'll continue reading in chapter 5 where he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, and offering in a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What did Paul say here? He said, be dead to sin, be enslaved to righteousness. Used to lie, he said, now tell the truth. 
There was a time when we would steal. Now we don't steal. We labor so that we can support ourselves and we can help others who are in need. There was a time that when we got angry, we would sin. He says, now don't sin when you're angry. And don't let that anger hang on. There was a time when unwholesome words would proceed from our mouth, but now we only allow words that build others up, not tearing them down. There was a time when we would grieve the Holy Spirit, but now we submit to the Spirit, putting aside anger and malice and wrath and holding on to tenderness and forgiveness and gentleness and kindness and love. There was a time when we would run with those in the world, but now we will expose their works and not be deceived by them. We must be enslaved to righteousness. Jesus didn't die so that we could continue in our sins. He died so that we would be freed to live in righteousness. As we consider this, I recognize that it seems a bit overwhelming. I understand that it looks a little bit like we're saying that, well, what you've got to do is become a child of God and you're just going to have to be perfect for the rest of your life. But that's not the picture of Christianity in the Bible. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. The Scripture there reads, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter points out that this process of being crucified with Jesus, dying to sin, being enslaved to righteousness is a growth process. It is a growth process. That means that everybody here, no matter where we are spiritually, are in the process of growing in Christ, being enslaved to righteousness, overcoming sin. But even then, it seems somewhat overwhelming. After all, we've all tried to overcome sin on our own. We've all tried to just say, I'm just not ever going to do that again. And we've all failed. But I want you to remember what Paul taught us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. Paul said, this is Romans 8 and verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That law of sin and death he talked about back in chapter 7 and verse 23 where he said, I see a different law within the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Paul said, I have trained myself to sin. We've talked about this in previous lessons. He said, I've trained myself to sin. And now it's that there's this law there that's, that's governing my members. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, he says, here's what will do it. The law of the Spirit of life will set us free from the law of sin and death. As long as we strive to continue doing that on our own, it's just not going to happen. There are a lot of people that say, I've got to get my life right, I've got to get things in order, I've got to find myself, and then I'll start serving God. It just doesn't happen that way. We can only do this through the power of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul said, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Guess what that means, brethren? We can overcome sin by Jesus Christ who strengthens us. It may not happen overnight, 
but it will happen. And if you're here and you're not a child of God, and you're thinking about all those sins you've committed and how hard it will be to overcome, understand this, that when you respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not by just coming to church sometimes, but when you truly respond to Jesus Christ and His resurrection, dying to sin and being enslaved to righteousness, you will overcome. Because you're that good? No, absolutely not. None of us are that good. But because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The only other question we have to ask is when does this occur? When does this start? Romans 6 answers that question as well. How does our response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ truly begin? In Romans 6 and verse 1 it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. When do we begin our response to the resurrection? When we are baptized into Christ's death. We are crucified with Christ in that baptism. We die to sin in that baptism. We enroll and enlist ourselves as slaves of righteousness in that baptism. And then we begin the growth process of actually following through on that. But when does it start? When we're baptized for the remission of our sins into the death of Jesus Christ, allowing His blood to cleanse us and wash us away. And His resurrection provides us with the hope that we too will be resurrected. Brethren, think about it. If he could die physically, go in the ground, and come back to life, how much more does he have the power to strengthen us to walk in newness of life when we're his children? Have you died with Christ? I certainly hope this look at our proper response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been beneficial to you, strengthening you to, one, be crucified with Christ, two, be dead to sin, and three, enslaved to obedience and righteousness. That is our proper response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. If you have any questions about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, about how we're to respond, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone has given you this lesson on audio cassette or on CD. If that's the case, I'd like to invite you to go to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons and outlines on that site that you're free to download, both in audio and outline format. Feel free to use them in whatever way you believe will honor and glorify our Father in Heaven. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.